On the Record with White House Correspondent April Ryan. Today I have with me Sean P. Jackson, the Chairman of the Board of the Black Republican Caucus of Florida. Sean, welcome and um, wow. Uh, since we met literally in August of 2016 at the Republican convention, a lot has gone on and you've been part of, of the goings on, it seems. Well, um, yeah, I, I guess you could say that. Um, it's been um, quite an exciting time since then till now um, with a lot of highs and a lot of lows, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I, I came into this orbit because I wanted to be a part of history, uh, on the right side of history. I wanted to make sure that I positioned myself to be able to help my people, our people. You know, there's a lot of, there's a stigmatism that goes along with being a black Republican that either you ain't, you ain't black enough to be, <laughs> to be a part of your community still, or you don't know enough to help your community. And I wanted to, I wanted to, for the first time in a long time since um, the Nixon era, I should even say, I wanted to, I wanted to change that. I wanted to show our people that you know what, it's all right being black, a black Republican. And not only is it all right, but that it's important for us to have some black Republicans because you know, at the end of the day, if we got everybody on one side, you know, we won't be able to get anything done if that one side gets in and into complete power which they have done so sean so sean so so what's interesting is you know we met we met in august we talked and you at that time were credited with being one of the major um being one of the major players in bringing african americans particularly in florida to the republican party ticket for the election of donald j trump now you, that was leading into uh the convention but the twist came just before the election you turned on the president um, and we're hearing a lot about the black Republicans now because about this upset. And it sounds like there was grumbling before President Trump became president. What was your upset and what did you say? Because it made a lot of news. So, 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 so here's the truth of the matter. It's not that I was upset with the president per se, how, because the president has made it clear that he really does want to see something happen. With, with, for, for Black America, and I believe that I believe that his that his that his sincerity and that his heart is in the right place. However, what I did say and what I what I have said since day one, and I've always said this, is that if staff doesn't believe in in what you believe in, then it's pointless. You're 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 you're, you're like a you're, you're like you're fishing for fish without a hook. Um, staff did not put the same emphasis and same passion into um, certain issues that the president put issues in. And, 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 and it, you know, it, it's, it's not rocket science. You know, obviously the president can't handle everything per personally on his own, and that's why you have staff. And if staff doesn't follow through, and I've seen this not just on a federal level, but I've seen it, I've ran campaigns now for over 11 years. So I've seen where elected officials prior to being elected, have given direction, and those and, and, and that directive was, uh, was, was accomplished. And I've seen where they've given direction and directives, and they have not been accomplished because staff dropped the ball. Um, and, and so it really does boil down to whether or not staff wants to follow through 
with what you tell them to follow through with. And you would think that because the boss tells you to do something, you would get it done. But, you know, sometimes these folks get in these positions and, 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 and they know that they're working for the president. They know they're working for the governor or whomever. And they, they take on, it takes on a life of its own where, you know, they get set in their ways and they do what they want regardless of what their boss tells them to do. What? And that's what happened during this campaign. Mm. You know, you know, um, the staff just, no matter how much the president said that he wanted to, and I, and I know the president was sincere about it. I, on the conversations that the president and I had, you know, he was really adamant about seeing a change for the black community and you know to the point where and i I gotta give the president a lot of credit here because to the point where the president wasn't just focused on throwing more stuff or or more services to black america but he was really focusing on trying to figure out how we can change the psyche how we can change the mind process the thought process uh of, of of our most impoverished people in, in, in certain communities and so that way we can start to give them a help them with a hand up and not a hand out um but sean but sean but see, and i understand all of that but there's what you thought was going to happen there seems to be a shift in thought versus reality because now we're hearing the upset of black republicans we've never heard this upset before we didn't hear it during the bush years but now we're hearing it here what is the problem with black republicans and this administration i hear things like you know the vanguard and and other people who are typically involved in the process have been shut out of the system what's what's going on What's really going on? What's is, really going uh, on? Is is one person as sad as that sounds, um, and that one person is Omarosa Manigault. I swear to you, I don't know where this person came from. I don't know how this person came to existence, but however she came to existence and wherever she came from, this person. And I'm trying to make sure that I don't slip and use any kind of word that I'm not supposed to on your podcast. But this person has made it virtually impossible for any black Republican to do anything with this administration. Okay, so, all right, I've worked in Washington for 20 years. One person Mm -hmm. does not stop the show, okay? Um, The president is the president and you have a, a team underneath. How is that possible? I'm going to tell you how this one person has, has, in fact, for the first time during your career and for the first time that I've ever seen, stopped the show. Because this president is one who really, truly depends on a small inner circle, okay? Mm. And since he came into this office, this his inner circle was comprised of a handful of people that don't have virtually any political experience, um, but yet they're his inner circle. And she's a part of that inner circle. So what does she do and what has she done over the course of these past, what, what, eight months now, nine months that we've been in office? She has made, she has positioned herself to make it seem as if she is the quote-unquote go-to person for all issues black-related. And she has positioned herself to make it seem to others around the administration, to staff, that she is so close with the president that she's like a daughter to the president. And so what has that done? It has mentally made people feel intimidated to where if they say or do or go against 
this one person in any way, shape, or form, that she's got direct ear to the president and they could be out of a job. I'm April Ryan with On the Record. So what are the black agenda items that you're concerned about um, that, that these are not being taken care of? Because we saw February. We saw February, mm-hmm. this big rollout. Yeah, we did see February. That was a hot mess. Oh my God. That, 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 How was it a hot mess? And what have you not seen that, that the black Republicans want to see? Because really, people haven't really heard as much about the black Republicans and the push for the community from the black Republicans as we're hearing now. You know, because, because and, and, and I'll tell you why, because from the beginning, from the beginning, we, you know, we really tried to follow protocol. And, and regardless of whether you're a Republican or Democrat, you know, it's always the right thing to do to follow protocol to get behind your leader or behind your head of the party or behind your head of a specific agency and, uh, and give them an opportunity to show themselves approved and to bring you and invite you to the table. And in this case, it didn't happen. I'm talking about people that should have been at the table from day one. People like K. Cole James, um, who has served in every Republican at, uh, presidential administration back to Reagan just about. Um, I'm talking about folks like Jennifer Carroll, former lieutenant governor of Florida, first black female Republican, first black Republican, period, elected statewide. People like Michael Steele, people like Delroy Taylor, all these kind of folks that should have been at the table from the beginning. J.C. Watts as well. Yeah, J.C. Watts as well. Absolutely. I mean, there's a plethora. You know, the list go on and off. Ken Blackwell. I mean, there's so many of us from across the country that should have been invited to the table. Why? Not to not just so we could be at the table, but because we have constituencies and because we have our ear to the ground to know what the needs and the issues and the problems are, so we could have helped create and devise a plan. Uh, to your point, to help move move the black agenda forward, um, a lot of us believe that we didn't get much of a black agenda under the last president, and and and, and I'm one of those folks that believe that, you know. But you know, did you get a black agenda under George W. Bush? We got a lot of things accomplished under President Bush. Do we get a like what? Like what? Agenda? Do we get a specific black agenda? No, we didn't. But we but we did get a lot of attention, and we had a lot of black staff, believe it or not, under President Bush. So, you know, this is the first time. This is the first time where now George W. Bush is credited with having the most diverse Republican administration ever. Well, I wouldn't say ever, but I would say since, since since the Nixon era. A lot of folks don't realize just how how President Nixon... High-ranking officials, for high-ranking officials, he is considered to having the most diverse Republican administration. Okay, I'll give you that for high-ranking official, yes. Uh, officials, yes. Um, but pre- pre- President Bush, <laughs> I mean, that that's the man, regardless of what people say, that's a man that stayed true to his word, and 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 because he can, and, and and I'll tell you why because he pushed staff to do so. He made sure that staff would do it. You know, in this particular instance, you know, the president left a lot of uh, these tasks up to staff to handle. And again, like I said, when 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 you leave it up to staff and staff doesn't believe in you wholeheartedly, and then when this one black staffer that you do have is so focused on being the H and I C in the room that that she don't want to even invite other black blacks in, Republican or Democrat, 
know, that's the problem. So, okay, so that's you don't have a seat at the table, but, and because we only have a, a little, a limited number of time, uh, a limited amount of time right now, and I want to hit some other points really fast. So, so you don't have a seat at the table, but what are some of the issues, if you can, like, just chronologically tell me the top three that you want to see done, just really fast? Well, I, well I'll, tell you, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one better. What I did was created a policy agenda a short while ago, and pretty soon it's going to be published on our website, blackcaucus.us. But uh, I created a policy agenda on how we can single-handedly revitalize inner-city communities across the country, and it focuses on four key issues. Creating an economy in the black community, supporting school choice, <clears throat> criminal justice reform, and introducing community policing to certain communities and bringing back community policing to other communities where it's never been introduced. If we focused on those four key components, we would see overnight um, changes in inner city communities. Because a lot of folks don't realize that, and I say this all the time, you know, segregation, believe it or not, I'm sorry, integration, believe it or not, is what really killed the economy of the black community, in addition to other things along the way. but Integration but, killed the economy? Yes, I'm, I am a firm believer of that. And I'm not saying sitting here saying that, oh, well, we got to go back to segregating people and blacks should live on one side of the tracks and whites should live on the other side. No, I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is this. Prior to integration, we, create, we, we, we supported our own people. Why? Because we had no choice. We had our own black doctors, our own black shoemakers, and so on and so forth, grocery stores, doctors, you name it. And we had to go to those folks. Well, when we were allowed to now go to the white stores, the white neighborhoods, um, and to patronize their services, there wasn't none of us left behind to go to patronize our own people. But yet, you still see to this day, you still see the Jews go to the Jews for their, for their supplies and for their needs and for their housing and stores and what have you. You still see the, the, the Italians do the same thing. You still see the Greeks do the same thing. So there's nothing wrong with us continuing to in a sense, segregate our, our, um... Find potential and power. Exactly, exactly. And I'm not saying that because I know folks are going to go out there and say, oh my God, he's a racist, oh my God, he's that. That's not what I'm saying. But, but there's nothing wrong to segregating our buying power to a degree. I'm not saying that for the rest of our lives, all we, all our existence, all we got to do is go buy black. And Sean, so, so Sean, you, you, you're giving me fire as you always do. <laughs> you always give me fire. But I want to ask you about this last controversy. Um, <laughs> about this chat room. I understand that there is a Republican chat room, a black Republican chat room, and uh, people who are not true Republicans are kicking Republicans off of this um, high-powered chat room. Is this true? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's a hot mess, and I ain't got time for it. If that's how the Negroes want to act, if they want to play that, um, that, that foolishness games where they want to sit up there and act like they in control now because they in Washington, because they, because they, you know, are, are whoever they are, then that's their prerogative. I'm, my focus is on helping my people, period. And if I can't do that by way of this administration, well, then there's plenty of other ways that the Lord can see fit to make sure that I'm able to help my people. But in terms of a chat room, they can keep that nonsense because if that's just what it is. It's nonsense. When you, you got people on there that ain't even never been Republican a day in their life, you got people in there that just became Republican at the first term in this administration. You got people in there that's been switching their turn. They 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 card over from Democrat to Republican just to say they can be amongst the midst. I'm a lifelong Republican. I've been a Republican for as long as I could vote, and I have always supported, protected, and defended the principalities of the Republican Party. So for all that other nonsense, and I'm 
I'm really trying to make sure I don't use the words I want to use. They can have it because ain't nobody got time for it. Period. <laughs> ain't nobody got time for it. You always give me fire, Sean. Thank you. But let me ask you this. If you had a chance to talk to the president in a short sentence, what would you say? I say, Mr. President, you know, we are still here wanting to help you to succeed, to make black America great again. You know, and, and when I say great again, I really do mean, you know, I want us to see us have our own. We, we were never really great. But we were okay before segregation, before integration. And I want to see that come back and enlarge that, increase that opportunity for us to really be great. And we can do that if you just give us an opportunity. If you give us a chance to sit at the table with you and give you real sound, credible solutions. Not a 130-page document from the CBC when they could have given that to President Obama. But we want, we want to give you some real sound, credible solutions that can, that can really... Um, um, make America, uh, make black America great and actually be a benefit to the rest of this country and the world for that matter. The synopsis of a synopsis, make black America great again by having uh, a plan to help black people support their own once again, um, financially and black business and, 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 and uh, things of that nature, correct? Yes, and, and, and I'll, take the, I'll take the word again out, because like I said, we weren't never really great. Um, we were all right at one point. We weren't never really great. So I'll say just make black America great. Sean Jackson. Your title again, Sean? Chairman of the board for the Black Republican Caucus of Florida. With this week's On the Record, I'm AURN White House correspondent April Ryan. Don't forget to subscribe to On the Record on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. On the Record, a product of American Urban Radio Networks.